Welcome to Love and Other Investments, where we talk about finances, but more importantly, how finances impact relationships. My name is John, and I'm a financial planner. And my name is Jeff, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. Hi, I'm John. And I'm Jeff. And on Love and Other Investments today, Jeff, what are we talking about? How does depression impact our finances in our relationships? Well, that sounds fun. (laughs) You like that one? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So what kind of, I mean, depression is a big word. Um, means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Sure. So tell me what we're talking about. So, yeah, let's, let's start this out properly. You know that I'm a therapist, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and you know that um, I am not the audience's, the listener's therapist or yours. Correct. So just let's just put that out there first. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm not offering a therapy to anyone who's listening right now, and our listeners can easily go online and they can search for the definition of depression, specifically the one that you would find in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, which is our, mm-hmm. our profession's manual to, that describes all the diagnoses. You can go and find it online easily. You can read through the symptoms and see if those symptoms match your experience. And if they do, mm-hmm. then you can go to a licensed mental health professional in your area and see if you really have the diagnosis for Mm -hmm. depression. That's not the folks we're going to be talking to today. Today, this one is on the common experience. The human experience. The human experience of being depressed. Everyone in their lifetime, sooner or later, will have a moment, a period of time, where they just feel down. Mm -hmm. Where they, typically, they'll use the word depression, right? They'll Mm -hmm. say, I'm I'm depressed, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe they feel sad or blue, or maybe they don't have motivation to do things. Maybe they don't want to get up in the morning. Maybe they're slow. They can't concentrate. Maybe they, you know, they're not engaged with their family or their loved ones or their friends or whatever. Maybe their productivity is going down. Maybe they don't like themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, maybe call that low self-esteem. Or, or, or maybe they blame themselves for things going wrong in life, or maybe they're afraid that people will abandon them or they'll be left. I mean, there's so many, so many iterations of depression, so many experiences of depression. And I think I just want to say that this is maybe for some people the first time that they're hearing that this is the human condition that there are times in life that are really terrible. And just not saying, I don't think that you might be experiencing one of these, you might be experiencing a lot of these. Yes. Um, And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're crossing a threshold into a clinical depression story. Correct. Being a human on this planet is hard business. It involves some suffering and pain. Yeah. Yeah. And none of us are going to escape that. We're going to have some rough times. And if you're in a relationship, you may have a partner who goes through this for a period of time. No doubt. In fact, it would be 
bizarre to have a partner that didn't. I mean, just think about some common examples of this. Like, have you, have your partner ever had a medical situation that they were scared by mm-hmm. and they found themselves to be like worried or, or stressed or down by it? I mean, extremely common. Mm-hmm. Or like we've talked about in other podcasts, you know, has there been some financial change like the loss of a job or a demotion or, or you know, a forced career change when yes, you really loved doing right. what you were doing and, before? You know, we all have that existential dread, you know, that, yeah. oh, my gosh, what is happening to my life? What am I going to do with my life because of this thing now? Yeah. And, and this doesn't even scratch some of the other big ones like grief. And, sure. and other types of losses. For sure. Um, so, yeah, it really is, you know, and we don't want to stay at the bottom of the barrel here, um, but how, how do you think this affects people? Um, again, this, this idea that this is the human experience. How do you feel like that generally impacts a relationship? You know, I, it, it's hard to say generalities, because, you know, couples have a configuration that's unique to them, like, mm-hmm. a, like a fingerprint. And so each couple has their own way in which they experience the other person in, in that relationship. But I would imagine that there are some things that happen commonly, which is you see the other one not being as interactive, the, the, the one who's feeling down, mm-hmm. not being as interactive. Maybe they're not as present or they seem off their game or maybe they're complaining about something going wrong at, wrong at work or with their friends or um, in spaces where they enjoy things like hobbies or sports or music or whatever. You start to see them making complaints or that they don't normally make, like they, maybe they're irritable more mm-hmm. or maybe they just seem like they are not engaged with you. Like they, what before seemed like really a lot of fun doesn't seem like fun anymore. And they're just not down to have fun together anymore. It seems like that's a recipe for um, a lot of fear in a relationship. What does this mean? Is it me? Is it the relationship? Are we going in a bad direction? No doubt. Are we going through a rough patch? A lot of dread. Yeah, and and in couples who don't talk about that stuff, of course, the fear can really amp amp up. You know, I mean, you can mm-hmm. you can definitely um, be dreading contact. And it, we've talked about this idea before. Sometimes somebody will go to work and they dread coming home because they don't know what shape their partner will be in. You don't know what, what mood they'll be in, mm-hmm. and so they don't come home, right? right. Like, or they come home later or after someone's gone to bed or whatever. Yeah. And that obviously causes more disconnection. Adds more disconnection. Right, right. So there, I mean, there's so many possible ways that this could impact a relationship. And and it's important to understand that no matter how it's impacting your relationship, you you need to do something to intervene. I get this strange feeling that you're going to say part of intervening is communicating about it. (laughs) No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Yes, I think... Well, let, let's back up for just a second. Sure. So I think there's a misconception that I want to try to correct, which is that lots of people think that depression is caused by a singular thing. I mean this in the non-clinical depression sense. Mm-hmm. They think that depre- the non-clinical version of depression is caused by a singular thing 
And that's not the case. The, the truth is that depressed feelings are like fever. And fever can be caused by lots of different things. It's easy for us to imagine that. You know, we could have an infection. We could have an enlarged organ. We could have had a brain injury. We, we could have um, some other, you know, sort of disease process that we can't even you know, fathom having, it doesn't, just because you have a fever doesn't mean you know what it is to do next to help with that. What fever. if you have a fever for more cowbell? From what? For more cowbell. <laughs> for cowbell? <laughs> well, or dance fever. Then you need more. I'm sorry. You need I just, more cowbell then. I'm sorry. That was... <laughs> You just went off on it. <laughs> that is a super, super. Bizarre. Yes. Sorry. Yeah, okay, good. I love that reference, though. Yeah. I hope our audience gets that reference. We're old. What can I say? <laughs> so the point is, I, I think it's very important to know that just because you feel down doesn't mean that one thing, one specific thing is the cause of that. could be more than one thing. Mm-hmm. Even the thing you think is causing it might not be the cause. And it's really important to understand what the cause is of something in order to figure out what you might want to do about it. Unlike fever, I might say, well, I'm going to take, you know, Tylenol or ibuprofen or something and just reduce my fever. And maybe that's a good strategy. But maybe it's also not because mm-hmm. that's not going to impact. The fever is the warning that something's yeah, wrong. something's wrong. And all you're doing is putting a... Piece of tape over the check engine light. And so, you know, the various components that might make up depression are are like symptoms like that. And you might want to imagine that they're like symptoms telling you that something's wrong and you need to figure out what it is that's wrong. They're like a cue that says, Mm -hmm. hey, let's investigate this. So it sounds like this might be a pretty common stressor in relationships. Extremely It seems like probably anybody who's been married for three to five years has gone through a period where a spouse has had to deal with um, their other partner being down. Yeah, for sure. And, you you know, you have to think of it as on a continuum, right? Mm -hmm. This is something that could occur, like feelings like this might occur for a day or a week or a month or whatever. We're not talking about clinical levels of depression right now. We're talking about subclinical levels of depression. So the amount of time that that occurs and the amount of severity that it's felt in, the intensity of the feeling that you might mm-hmm. have around it could vary greatly. Right. So, yes, I mean, I would imagine that if you'd been with your partner for not not even a year, you, you would have had some period like this, mm-hmm. even if it was just a few days where they were really down about something. Right. So the financial component, I mean, this is love and other investments. Yes. So let me crack that egg just okay, a little sure. bit. Um, you know, when you're feeling unmotivated, when you're feeling down, you don't perform as well. Right. Um, you don't look around for opportunities to move forward. Right. You want to sit still. Yes. Um, you're not as productive. Um, and then there's a whole different reaction. There's a million reactions. But then there's the reaction that says, um, I need to fix this by changing my circumstances or um, medicating by a new hobby or an activity or worse. And by medicating, you mean with substances, not, not necessarily something. I'm saying that I'm using, well, yeah, or 
or just, you know, hey, we need to take a vacation. We, I, I, gotcha. I got to get out of town gotcha. for gotcha. a while. And, right. and, you know, that will solve my problem. Yeah. And maybe it will, maybe it won't. But that's not in the budget, right? Yeah. Gotcha. So anytime there's a change in the relationship, anytime there's a change in each one of us, it creates an opportunity for us to do things that are outside of our norm financially. Um, some of those things could be good. You know, I'm, I'm really feeling like, you know, we haven't saved enough. I'm really, you know, somebody, somebody passed away and left their spouse unprepared. And so, so I'm now motivated to make sure that doesn't happen. Okay, there's a, there's a life event that brings about some positive change. But a lot of life events don't do that. They bring about a motivation to do something. And sometimes the reaction to do something isn't the right thing. Yes. Especially if you're just doing it, acting out on your own. Right. And I would say the converse is also true. That sometimes people, in the face of some kind of stressor, actually lose motivation. Right. They, they're, you're talking about the idea <clears throat> that they try to fix a problem, and they, they grasp at the nearest thing that might fix it. Mm-hmm. So they're doing something to fix when they might not even understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. In, but there's also the, the reverse, like maybe I'll just stay in bed for a day right? Um, and not do anything. And this, if I stick my head in the stand, it'll all go away, right? I'll sort of pretend right. it's not there. And employers don't find that to be really thrilling eventually. No, no. correct. Yeah, and eventually, if that goes on too long, obviously that could impact a couple's own way of thinking about money. For, for instance, you know, one of the things that we talk about constantly is trying to be on the same team Mm -hmm. but if one person in the team is down because they're hurting Mm -hmm. they're in some pain or they're suffering somehow what motivation do they really have to sit down and talk about the dollars today right right so if you talk with your partner once a month or once a week or whatever your time is about finding your financial location you know finding like how your dollars are working right now today and one person just doesn't have the motivation to get up and just kind of checks out. Yeah. They just check out then, then, you know, that's a problem for how you're going to move forward as a team. So what are some things let's get into? So what do we do about this? Yes. So what are some things when either you are feeling, um, that you're in a bad spot? Yeah. Whether you know why or not. Yeah. And then the second one is, is what is it when you sense that your partner is, having a hard time. Right. What are some of the things that we should be thinking and doing? You know, the first thing, if you're feeling down yourself, and, it, and again, you know, on a continuum, it could be mild or, or sort of you know, just below clinical diagnosis, right? It doesn't matter where you fall. If you're finding yourself feeling depressed, the first thing I would suggest is to ask your partner or someone you trust just for help. Just describe what you're going through and tell them that you want them to support you. Now, you may not know what that looks like. You may not even know what to ask for help for. But saying it out loud is an important step in figuring out how your partner can actually deliver some help. And if you're the one receiving mm-hmm. that, so you're the partner who's just been told that um, you know, the other one needs help, I think the really, really most important thing to do is to listen carefully because it's easy to say, oh, that's just because, you know, that's just because your boss is a jerk or that's just because, 
you know, you had a car accident two weeks ago and it's going to go away. Or that's just because it's been know. raining for two weeks and you haven't been right. able to get out and play golf. Or, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Whether or not that is actually true is mm-hmm. sort of irrelevant. I think the most important thing is to take that moment seriously and consider, you know, what it is that's really going on mm-hmm. and ask questions about it. You know, one of the most important questions to ask is, is how could I be most supportive? Mm-hmm. You know, you're feeling this way. What would make sense? How, how would you feel loved? Mm-hmm. Now, the, the person who's feeling depressed might not know how to answer that, but you should ask it anyway. And even if they can't answer, you should ask it again at another time and again and again. One of the most important things to do in this situation, if someone's asking for help, is to make sure that you don't lose track of that. Mm-hmm. You, they asked yesterday, they seem fine today, so it's all gone, right? Well, a week later, you know, they asked a week before, and you're not going to bring it up because mm-hmm. now this issue seems to be gone. That's a very bad idea. You want to follow up. Mm-hmm. You want to be persistent. They said something important that's vulnerable for them to say. Make sure that they're okay, even if they seem like they're not. You've talked about this before in some of our uh, YouTube videos, but how damaging contempt is. Yes. And how it's one of the big early predictors that things are getting ready to come off the rails. Right. I can't help but feel like it would be a really good moment to say, if your partner is willing to be courageous enough to say, hey, I'm struggling, that empathy your empathy level needs to really show up and For saying sure. something along the lines of, well, you just need to toughen up and get done what you need to do or man up or, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is, Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah. Those are not probably helpful moments. Right. Right. For sure. Uh, so I have a question kind of if the roles were reversed and uh, if you're the partner noticing that your spouse is having issues and maybe they're not picking up on it, um, if you br- first of all, how do you bring that to them? And second of all, what do you do if they deny that there's any sort of issue? How do you move forward from that point? I love that question, but we should have you introduce yourself. Because our listeners aren't used to your voice. <laughs> uh, my name is Michelle. I'm one of the producers, and I'm the one who sits behind the soundboard. Yay, yay. Thanks, Michelle. Yeah, I think, you know, you might notice, I think your question is if you notice your partner having problems related to what looks like to you depression, and, they, and they're not saying anything to you, how should you approach them? Is that, is that what you're asking? Yeah. So I think um, being able to, say what it is that you're noticing in your partner is really important here. So if you notice that your partner is disconnected, if you notice that they're hurting, they seem to be struggling, maybe they're irritable, because sometimes, remember, people are depressed. They're not just sad. Sometimes it shows up in this sort of grumpy, irritable way. If if they seem like they're not getting things done, then, or, or whatever it is they're going through, notice that thing and comment on that thing, but do it in a way that's very sensitive. So, and empathic. Hey, I've been noticing that you seem down lately. Are you feeling down? You know, and if they say yes, then you're good to go. And if they say no, 
maybe you double down on the question. It's just so you say something like it's just that I've noticed that it's been hard to get out of bed lately and I've been worried about you and I just wanted to know how I could support you. Yeah. How can I support you? And then maybe they dismiss it again. Mm-hmm. And then I would I would let a little time go by, a few days, maybe a week or something like that, and approach it again. And I would keep approaching it. Eventually, they're going to be sort of irritated with the approach, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think you say, hey, we got to get real. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I want to be caring and concerned. I'm your person. Of, yeah. Like, tell yeah. me what's going on. Yeah. And, you know, at that point, if they're not willing to open up, um, you know, you're, you're kind of in a dilemma. Mm-hmm. So you either, you either stay persistent, which is, you know, generally what I would suggest people do, although your situation may vary, right? <laughs> so, or you let some more time pass <clears throat> and find a new way to approach it. But, and, and there will probably be other moments. For sure. That um, start, and I don't mean this in the lawyering sense but kind of build the case yes that you're not um just pulling stuff out of the air right right so yeah so i have one more thing Mm -hmm. and then we can land this plane okay you know i think there's an idea in our culture that the only people who go to therapy are severely mentally ill people and this is not true Mm mm-hmm the truth is you do not need to be severely mentally ill or mentally ill at all to go to therapy to benefit from it. Yes. So if you find yourself feeling depressed, but you know, because you went online and searched the criteria that you don't meet the criteria, right? It's still a good thing. If you're up for it Mm -hmm. to go to therapy and talk about what's going on, sometimes having, someone who's not involved with your life, you know, talk with you about their experience of you and where you can talk about what's meaningful and what's going on in your life can make a huge difference in terms of feeling supported and moving forward and growing. Just having a neutral, a new semi-neutral party, you know, to talk through what's going on for you can be, make a big difference. Yeah, I think there's a big deal. You said it earlier in the podcast, and you were talking about it's probably not one thing. It's probably not one thing. And I've heard you say this is a lot of times people will come in with a complaint. Not, hey, my husband's a jerk, but a complaint of, hey, I'm really having a hard time with this, and I think it's this, and I want to talk through it. Yeah. Because you wouldn't come in, most people probably don't come in going, hey, I don't feel great, and I don't know why, and so I have nothing to say. Right, right. They have, they've made some meaning out of it. Yeah. Right. Right. But... And, and I could let you speak to this, but the idea is, is a lot of times when they come in and they start talking about that thing, eventually you find that while that thing is interesting, it's not the the other things under the surface yeah. that are really driving um, this experience, this bad experience right, for them. Right. We all tend to find a way to understand what's going on for us um, that is not necessarily revealing all of the causes of what's going on for mm-hmm. us. In other words, it tends to be something hidden to us in terms of what's causing our dilemmas. And so having someone else put eyes on the situation can help to uncover what it is that's been hidden and, and therefore sort of get to the root of the problems. Hey, thanks for listening. Please leave us a review and follow us so you don't miss an episode. 
If you'd like to learn more about us, please visit relational-media.com. 